What an incredible week 14 it was. Your boy went 5-0 in the Super Contest, giving out winners like holiday presents. We dive into week 15, which is going to be absurdly good. And folks, what a Monday night football game we've got. We got rain. We got playoff implications. And I've given you a parlay special. Let's go! Hello and welcome back to Coming Up Winners. Folks, it's a giddy Monday for your boy. Andrew Lynch kind of doing all right this morning. Producer Conrad on cloud nine after his Miami Dolphins money line pick. Folks, it was maybe my greatest NFL weekend ever. Uh, I, I don't want to brag too much about it, but 5-0 and in the Super Contest, 2-0 and in Put Up or Shut Up. By the way, in those Super Contest picks, four dogs winning straight out. It, it was an amazing Sunday, but you know how it is, Andrew Lynch. You go through the highs, you hit the lows. Let's keep it even keel and just continue to grind away and get those W's. Yeah, I do know how it is, J-Mac. This was not a great weekend for me, but you know what? It's the season of giving. You're giving out winners. Friday evening, I went and did some volunteer work. Really made me feel good about myself. And then Sunday, I gave away all of my winnings back to the sports books. It's just a great time to be giving. Well, speaking of giving, I, I got to give you a major shout out. Folks, I, a big time admission here. I've been a gambler in the NFL for many years. I've been doing the super contest now four or five years. I had never been a DVOA guy. And Andrew Lynch started me on it when we began testing for this podcast in August. And I've become obsessed with it. I am on the DVOA site looking at the defense, looking at the offense. I'm going to be refreshing it on Tuesday afternoon when they post it. Because those numbers have been massive in part of my process. So thank you. Andrew Lynch. Shout out to the football outsiders. Couldn't do this without them. All right, let's get started as we do every Monday, Andrew. What did you learn this weekend? Uh, underdogs were barking again when you were in the Fox War Room Sunday, Andrew Lynch. What did you learn? Oh, man, this is just a fantastically fun NFL weekend. I think for me, one of the things that I learned was even the smartest people in the NFL, the, the evil super geniuses who might not be quite so evil but are perceived as such, can have these moments of just glaring ineptitude. And I'm speaking specifically of the New England Patriots, mm -hmm. of course. Everyone is concentrating on Gronk being on the field as a defender for that final play where Miami runs the Miami Miracle and has a hook and ladder that actually goes for a touchdown. I'm so much more concerned with Tom Brady turning into Blake Bortles Ooh. at the end of the first half, Ooh. taking an absolutely unforgivable sack and wiping at least three points off the board for New England. If New England gets that field goal to say nothing of Goskowski's missed extra point in the game, it's a much, much different game at the end there. Patriots probably cover. They certainly don't lose outright. Um, so it happens. You know, you have these moments where you, you outthink yourself as a gambler, as a coach, as a player. Uh, it's just unfortunate for New England that it happened in Miami, which is apparently the Bermuda Triangle for the Patriots. <laughs> well said. But let me counter with this, okay? So Ryan Tannehill's had the arm issues. I believe it was a shoulder. He can't throw 70 yards. He can't throw a Hail Mary 70 yards. So, you know, I understand Belichick making a minor mistake there, having Gronk on the field. But le let me ask you. If this were another coach in the NFL, let's say Bill O'Brien made this mistake and he put New Hopkins in or whatever the equivalent is of having Gronk on the field there, would we be killing 
absolutely torching Bill O'Brien today or any other coach in the NFL? Are we giving Belichick a pass for a pretty bad mistake? I mean, Gronk stumbling there looked awful. You know, I, I feel like for Belichick, we are raking him across the coals right now. But yeah, I think that's true. I don't think we are quite criticizing him as much as we could. I think it's more of a joke. Everyone's laughing about the fact that Gronk was on the field there and just so blatantly tripped and missed that tackle. Uh, I, I do agree with you there. I think that's a really good point. I'm not sure we're giving we're holding Belichick's feet to the fire as much as we necessarily should. And Tom Brady, whose uh, struggles have been well chronicled in the month of December of the last couple weeks, two picks yesterday against a bad Miami defense with their top cornerback out. So interesting stuff there, Lynch, uh, about smart people in the NFL. My uh, what did I learn? I'm going to go with the zigzag theory. Um We've been talking, what, 12, 13 weeks now about offenses dominating the NFL. The Saints, of course, challenging uh, the Peyton Manning Broncos uh, and Tom Brady uh, Patriots marks for most 40-point games. And the Chiefs are putting up historic points on offense. And Lynch, you know, defenses kind of were up to snuff yesterday. The Bears completely shut down the Rams. I mean, I had the Bears. I didn't think it would be this dominant. I mean, they own the time of possession. They ran all over the Rams. Jared off with four interceptions. And then another game we kind of nailed, the Ravens-Chiefs. Now, Kansas City eventually won out there. But the Baltimore defense, if not for a miracle Pat Mahomes throw, I mean, that fourth and nine across his body, that's one of the plays of the year, no doubt. Uh, But I thought defenses kind of showed up in the zigzag theory. Now, before we get to my second point, Lynch, is that a, a December anomaly or is this something to uh, build on going forward here in December? I think it's more the latter than the former, um, especially as these, you know, we're getting into some really competitive games and some really competitive weekends in the NFL right now leading into the playoffs. It's, I mean, even the Rams, right? They, they held the Bears to 15 points. Yeah. The Rams' defense showed out as well. Picked off Mitch Trubisky three times. Yeah. I mean, I all season long, I have been preaching that offense wins, offense wins, offense wins. And this was the first weekend where very, very clearly it was flipped. I don't want to overreact too much to one weekend, but I do. I liked what I saw from the defenses in Week 14. Excellent point. Now, I, let, let me just say for the Chiefs fans who are angry, yes, you had 441 yards and 30 first downs. But only 5.3 yards per play. I think the key was the fourth downs. Three for three on fourth down. Listen, Mahomes was tremendous. Now, my second angle of the zigzag theory was the sandwich spot. You know we're putting spot on a t-shirt for this podcast. And two teams that we kind of thought might show up. Ugly double-digit dogs. The Raiders at home against the Steelers. Boy, it's going to be another tough uh, Monday for Mike Tomlin. And uh, the Bengals against the uh, L.A. Chargers. Bengals showed out. Uh, they covered, I believe it was 16, 15 and a half by kickoff. Um, Lynch, I'm just going to ask you, we don't have this scripted here, your thoughts on Mike Tomlin losing his third straight, the whole Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Josh Dobbs stuff. I, I, I'm totally perplexed that the Steelers actually lost that. It's easy for me to say Raiders are going to pull that off. The reality is Mike Tomlin's lost three in a row. It's really confusing. I, Mike Tomlin has information that I don't have. He, you know, li- but literally, he knew, you know, Big Ben's status during the course of that game. He, for whatever reason, felt like the Steelers were in a rhythm with Big Ben on the sideline. I want to say right off the top, he knows things that I don't, and that matters. But I have been pretty out on Mike Tomlin 
for over a year now. And I think as this Steelers team starts to have real, real issues that are being kind of papered over by the talent of that wide receiving core and the fact that Big Ben, while he might not be playing at an elite level on a play-by-play basis, is still capable of making huge plays. I think that is kind of papered over or glossed over the fact that this coaching staff is not putting the team in the best possible position to succeed. I don't want to be any hotter than that on this take. You know, again, it's not t- incendiary. I think that's accurate. And that's that's what it comes down to a lot of the time is we want to say that coaches are either awful or they're elite. They're either, you know, they're either idiots or they're geniuses. And so much of it in the NFL, I believe, with coaching comes down to are you putting are you putting your team in the best possible position to succeed given your roster? And that's why I've loved Nagy so much in Chicago this year. Mm. Real quick tangent. I've said this before and I'll say it again. He is just putting that team and Mitch Trubisky in particular in position to succeed. Three interceptions last night, notwithstanding. Yeah, uh, really interesting stuff here. We have some breaking news coming in. Andrew Lynch, I don't know if you have Twitter open. Producer Conrad just showed it to me. The Raiders have fired their GM. Reggie McKenzie, out, gone. Now, how much of that has to do with he signed off on the trades for Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack? Both of those teams. What did Khalil Mack or Amari Cooper do yesterday? Well, Amari Cooper it's not like they, yeah, it's yeah. Not like they were game changers. <laughs> Maybe Khalil not so much, but I think even just his presence. But yeah, I mean, what this is such a saving face maneuver oh, that probably was necessary on top of it. But let's be honest. The real issue in Oakland, his initials are JG. Yeah, he's the guy. Now, uh, to, to quickly go back to Tomlin, uh, How does a team like Pittsburgh, you spoke about getting ready for games. You go into Oakland, a disaster of a defense. No points in the first quarter for Pittsburgh. Just don't show up and you dig yourself a hole. I know they came out of it and whatever, but you know, that first series can speak so much about a team's preparedness. Raiders came out, went down the field, touchdown. Steelers, punt. I just, Mike Tomlin, just not getting it done. They could miss the playoffs. So that is it for what did we learn about the thrilling week 14 in the NFL. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. On to hashtag put up or shut up. You know the drill. You pick the game using the hashtag put up or shut up. I pick the side. If I lose, I will pay you money. I didn't lose this weekend. It felt pretty good. Uh, you know, we've been up and down with put up or shut up. Let's go right to the victories. Uh, at Drew R. Foster, you picked the game. Rams-Bears. I had Chicago. Nice old W. Thank you to Khalil Mack and that Bears defense. Man, that team is... Oof. That's got to feel really good, though. When you when you have two elite teams going up against each other and you just nail the pick like yeah. that. That's That might be... Other than just cashing out a ticket, which is always a great feeling, that might be the best feeling as a gambler, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, home dogs, you know, they've been good to me. So, at Drew R. Foster, we can't wait to read your glowing iTunes review and uh, also that shout-out on social media for Andrew Lynch and I. And at A-Town Johnson, I already got up in your grill today boasting you had Colts-Texans and I took my guy, Andrew Luck, delivering the W on the road. Listen, we're going to talk more about the Colts in a minute. They've got a huge game this week against the Cowboys. That's on our radar. Can't wait to dig into that. But after going the first quarter without a first down in Houston, the Indianapolis Colts turned it around and dominated that game. T.Y. Hilton, who was like questionable leading up to the game, just shreds the secondary monster effort. Andrew Luck and the Colts get back in the playoff mix. So at A-Town Johnson, I look for your 
glowing review on iTunes. Thanks for playing. And guys, remember, use the hashtag put up or shut up for this week. Send me your game. I guess college football bowl games are starting, so you could send one of those. You could send a top 25 college basketball game, an NBA game. People seem reluctant to go the basketball route this early in the season. But truth be told, that's where you could cash. And of course, week 15 in the NFL. In short, it is time to put up or shut up. On to what were you thinking where we go over our picks. We either pat ourselves on the back and uh, injure our shoulder or... We really rip each other and mock each other. Uh, Unfortunately, it was not a great weekend for picks from Andrew Lynch. Listen, favorites did not do well this week. Um, Lynch, where should we start? Should we start with, uh, let's start with Baker Mayfield. Because you kind of flip-flopped after we discussed it. Uh, Panthers at the Browns. There was line movement here, right? During the week, it crept up to, I believe, two, two and a half for the Panthers. And then if you notice, Saturday, when the heavy bets can come in, it came down. I believe the Browns maybe closed as a one-point favorite. They did indeed okay. in some books. Yeah, it came crashing down. And yeah, thank God I listened to you, J-Mac. I, I usually come into these good bet, bad bet segments with a really firm read on these games. Certainly try to. That was one where, again, I like Cam Newton, although... I'm, you know, I'm starting to have my doubts even as as a Cam Newton supporter that he is perhaps the quarterback for this Panthers team. I really like Cam Newton still. It's just not working with whether it's Ron Rivera, what whatever it might be in Carolina. Uh, but of course, I've been conducting the Baker Mayfield train all season long, and I was about to take a step off of the train last week, and you convinced me over the course of Good Bet Bad Bet on Thursday that Cleveland was the pick here. So I apologize to anyone who tailed me in Carolina based on what I might have said last Thursday. I did end up taking Cleveland uh, on my own bet, and because you talked me into it. So thank you, J-Mac. A lot of creativity. You're welcome, by the way. A lot of creativity from the Browns offensively. Some of these handoffs and quick moves. And listen, uh, the Baker Mayfield peanut gallery is coming after me, as they are every week. And that's fine, guys. I've been backing Baker the last few weeks. Wait, are you a Baker guy now? Listen, Say it. he has looked sharp. 18 of 22. Now, again, this comes back to who he was facing, okay? Facing a bad secondary in Carolina. We knew that. We diagnosed that. And Lynch, I've got to spin it forward. And again, this is a game we may talk about shortly, but he's facing a banged up Broncos secondary. Now he has to go on the road, Baker. No Chris Harris. And this secondary just got lit up by George Kittle. Is that his name, George Kittle? Yes, sir. (laughs) The legendary George Kittle. I'm saying a lot of line movement. We're probably trending toward taking Baker again, but this is a bet on team right now, no doubt. Now, I will say this, no Denzel Ward. So Cam had an okay day. Uh, Hopefully Ward returns against uh, Case Keenum next week, but we nailed the Browns in uh, our picks. Next up, Patriots-Dolphins. Patriots-Dolphins, boy, listen, um, I don't know if it's a South Beach flu that gets Miami uh, amped up to take down the Patriots every week, but New England just looked lethargic on defense. Couldn't stop a nosebleed. Tom Brady, the mental mistake, as you uh, alluded to earlier. Producer Conrad, uh, if you want to jump in and do a victory lap for giving out Miami Moneyline, holy hell, that must have paid really nicely for you. Ryan Tannehill, Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake, um, our drinks on you this week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that plus 375 was real, real sweet going down. I can tell you that. It's exactly how I wrote it up, too. <laughs> that last second play, I knew it was going to happen. They stayed oh, in the game the entire way. And that's how you win money line picks around here. <laughs> so uh, we hit 
with the Dolphins. Let's uh, move on next to what was a phenomenal game. I mean, now obviously Patriots-Dolphins overshadows everything, but Ravens-Chiefs was everything we thought it would be. Baltimore covered. They covered six and a half. You could argue they should have won that game outright. I, we can't say enough about Pat Mahomes. I will say this. Do you think the Chiefs look a little susceptible, Lynch, given how Baltimore rushed for a buck 98? They weren't able to control the clock as much as I thought they would. But uh, this Baltimore team looks like a live dog. I don't want to see that team in the playoffs if I'm an opponent because the defense was in Mahomes' grill all day. Kansas City's offensive line performed poorly. Uh, producer Conrad saying Tyreek Hill was injured and banged up and somehow toughed it out. They they really missed Kareem Hunt in the run game. Kansas City, I don't want to say they're leaking oil here. This was a good win for them, but going forward, I've got some questions. Uh, Lynch, your thoughts? This is where things get really tenuous for Kansas City. We knew that this was one of the worst defenses in the NFL, so I don't think it's surprising necessarily that the Ravens were able to run the ball the way that they did. If they'd come out and lit the, the secondary on fire, if Lamar Jackson were out there throwing for 300-plus yards, maybe that would have been surprising. But the Ravens' game plan and the way that they were able to exploit the, the Chiefs' defense, that doesn't surprise me. What I would be concerned about if I were the Chiefs are those injuries, particularly the skill players, and Andy Reid. You know, I joked, I think, in week seven or eight that I couldn't wait for the postseason and to gamble against Andy Reid, and I really think that might end up lining up. I mean, I get why you would do it or why you would think it's a smart play, but you can't play for that long field goal at the end of regulation It's a Jason Garrett move. It is an absolute Jason Garrett move. And so as this Chiefs team starts to run into into teams that are just as elite or just as good as they are, particularly teams with really good defense, I think those flaws in Andy Reid's coaching decisions are really going to start to come through when you couple that again with these key injuries to, to skill players. This Chiefs offense starts to become not historically great, but just great. And if they're not historically great, if they're not truly elite, can they make up for what might be a middle-of-the-pack coaching staff and an absolutely atrocious defense? I don't know. Uh, uh, now, Eric Berry did not play. He's due back soon. What's the latest on, on Sammy Watkins? Is he definitely done for the regular season? Sammy Watkins is out for the regular season. That, see, this is not good. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 14 targets. Kelsey had nine. And after that, they're throwing a guy's... I don't even know who Demarcus Robinson is. Uh, former Florida player. He had uh, seven targets. I mean, this is a tough spot for the Chiefs. And I know Chiefs fans are going to get all worked up and say, Jason, you hate Kansas City. You hate Mahomes. No. But I will say this in defense of the Chiefs. The Patriots lost yesterday and their defense looked awful. The Steelers lost yesterday. They look like a mess. Chargers are banged up. I'm not selling the Chiefs on the Super Bowl now. I just think the AFC looks wide open. All right, moving on to our final game. And this one, uh, I took an L here. Lynch got the W. Eagles-Cowboys. I don't know, man. This game is... How do we even describe this? 6 nothing at halftime. Eagles look like the season's over. And the fourth quarter has like a million points scored. The Amari Cooper tip drill for the win... I don't know what to make of either of these teams now, Lynch. I do have a hot Cowboys take for you momentarily, but your thoughts on what you saw in, in, in that bananas. This of game, game was a three-ring circus, and I, I loved every minute of it, especially the circus catch to end it because I had the Cowboys. Um, 
Thank goodness that alien body snatchers came down and grabbed <laughs> Jason Garrett and replaced him with someone who understands fourth down situations because I genuinely thought the Cowboys were going to, again, kick that field goal, hope that the defense stands, and they take the three-point win in overtime, and then I don't cover it, Cowboys minus three and a half. But Jason Garrett, bless that man, at least in week 14, went for it on fourth down, was aggressive, didn't Andy read it, Cowboys get the touchdown, Cowboys cover but listen, you took the L here. It was your one L this yeah. week. Eagles money line, and you had Eagles to cover. Those were both very, very good bets, the way that game played out. I, 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 Eagles rushed for 34 yards? Uh, now, Dallas was a nightmare with penalties. They were bad in the red zone, one for four. And Dak, if not for that miraculous fourth quarter, he was going to be the GOAT here. And, and not in a good way, okay? Three turnovers. He's the only reason the Eagles didn't get blown out. I, I Okay, here's my hot take about the Cowboys. So they're on a five-game win streak, Lynch. I'm going to give you the DVOA ranking currently of the five teams they beat. Hit me. They beat the Eagles, who are currently 20th in DVOA. They beat the Falcons, who are 19th. They beat the Redskins, who are 22nd. Are you sensing a theme here? And all of these so far are going to crater when the DVOA numbers come out for Week 14 on Tuesday. The Saints win was legit. No doubt about it. Saints are 4th in DVOA. And the Eagles, again, they beat who were 20th in DVOA. Their opponent next, Indianapolis Colts, who are 11th in DVOA. I don't want to show my hand. Uh, any quick thoughts on this Cowboys run? Lynch, this is a, a Cowboys team. I, I don't want to use the word luck box, but, I mean, that, that win right there. I... Why not? It's one of my favorite words. No, I, I, I agree with the point I think you're making, that— We've talked before about how you can evaluate a team if they are blowing out bad teams. That's a really good indicator. But when you are winning close games against teams that are below you, that are not quite up to your caliber, that's not a great sign. No. Um, I haven't been super high on the Colts so far this season. I'm really looking forward to you explaining how you feel about that Indy Dallas game. Yeah. The Cowboys folks have a plus 30 point differential. That is by far the worst among any division leader. The Texans are plus 64, Steelers plus 61. But uh, point differential says a lot. I mean, like you said, you're winning close games against vastly inferior teams. So all in all, a pretty good week uh, in the picks against the spread. Let's quickly go to the money line. We know Conrad was the big winner hitting the Dolphins. Lynch took an L on Thursday. <laughs> Why am I wagering on the Jaguars? Why did you not stop me? You had you had one job, wait, J-Mac, wait, other than make Lynch, the right picks. Time out. We've done this before. Why am I betting on Cody Kessler on the road? Not a good bet. Uh, Cody Kessler's at home against somebody named Josh Johnson and the Redskins. Could be value going not forward. Not going to do it. Not, wouldn't okay. be prudent. All right. And uh, I missed the Eagles on the money line at plus 155. Baby, you are so money and you don't even know it. Next up, we are looking ahead to week 15. I, I guess I got to say the obligatory, I can't believe it's already week 15, Lynch. A um, lot of good games, folks. It's getting to be crunch time for the playoffs, for cashing tickets to get some extra holiday presents. And this weekend, uh, ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's start with the Thursday night game, shall we? The Chargers who kind of won one of those games this week against the Bengals that I think they usually choke away due to like some kind of special teams mistake, a Phillip Rivers gaffe. They were able to prevail. They now visit Kansas City, short week, and they are three-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, my early read here is injuries, 
Injuries, injuries. Uh, we it, it apparently appears that Austin Eckler, the backup to Melvin Gordon, will not play due to an injury he suffered, I guess, on the onside kick late in that game. That's brutal. We don't know if Melvin Gordon's going to be back. That leads them to a third-string running back against a, a Chiefs team that can give up chunks of yardage. I don't know. Do you force Melvin Gordon back? Not 100% against a, a, a team where you know to win, you've got to run the football. And of course, Kansas City, we alluded to the Sammy Watkins injury. You got to watch Tyreek Hill. My early lean would be to the Chiefs. Short week team from the West crossing a time zone or two. Very dangerous. I, I would lean to the Chiefs here getting three and a half, Lynch. Your thoughts? My lean's to the Chargers because of the hook. I, I'm leaning towards taking the points here. Listen, I've been big on the Chargers all season long. Uh, I really believe that this is a potential Super Bowl contender. Uh, I think they've got a top 10 offense. They have a top 10 defense. I love the way that Phillip Rivers is playing this year. He's having a career season. I really like this Chargers team. So getting the hook at three and a half, I, and with all of the injury uncertainty, that to me says take the points. If you, with all of this, you know, we just don't know which of these skill players are going to play. That said, of course, I am concerned about the Chargers and their running game. Um, I just it comes down to that key number for me. But really, going to have to keep an eye on the injury reports. And if you like the Chargers, I would say get this now because I really believe this is going to come down to three okay. sooner than later. Now, that's interesting. I don't know that I see that happening. Andy Reid completely owns the Chargers. I'm looking at the rivalry here. The Chiefs won last year, beat them twice, and I lost money on the Chargers both times. They swept the series in 2016, in 2015, and 2014. So that, according to my elementary math, they've won 10 straight Two, four, six, eight. No, nine straight. I'm sorry. I can't do math. The Chiefs have won nine straight games against the Chargers. Now, I don't have the ATS numbers. We'll have that for you Thursday. But Andy Reid against Anthony Lynn is a mismatch. Um, so, anyways, that's an, a really great Thursday night game on Fox. We'll dive more into that on Thursday. Next up, Lynch's guy. Baker Mayfield, who uh, is running one of the hottest offenses in the league. They go into Denver. Now this, folks, is, I, I think Lynch and I will agree, a lot of value here. A week ago, on the look-ahead, Denver favored by six. That's down to three and a half when it opened last night in the desert. Denver favored by three and a half. Their offense looked anemic against the 49ers. They could not carry the ball. They have failing on fourth down. Uh, vertically, Case Keenum was not winning. Maybe the Browns will get Denzel Ward back. Baker Mayfield is shredding bad pass defenses. Obviously, no Chris Harris. I don't see a play here other than Cleveland getting the points. Agreed, especially getting three and a half. Again, that key number, just being outside of the field goal, matters so very much. You know, the Broncos, they're methodical. They just want to grind you into dust on both sides of the ball. And we saw with the San Francisco this weekend, they're susceptible to explosive plays. Look at, you know, Mullins and George Kittle, apparently the new Tom Brady to Randy <laughs> Moss of the NFL. Yeah. And I think that Baker and Jarvis Landry can can replicate a lot of that uh, in week 15. You know, you look at Denver's losses. 
They've lost to the Chiefs twice. They've lost to the Rams once. I'm not saying Cleveland is anywhere near that caliber of offense. What I am saying is those are two teams that are capable of explosive plays over the top, and Cleveland is as well. So, yeah, I, I like Cleveland to potentially go into Denver and win outright, Ooh. not necessarily as a money line pick, but I think the probability is high enough that I will easily take the points here. Uh, a quick word, Bradley Chubb. Uh, If you haven't been paying attention, he's been phenomenal. Set the franchise record for rookie sacks in a season. He had two on Mullins yesterday. He's got 12 this year. He just broke Von Miller's record. So I know the Browns offensive line, dating back to when they played the Jets earlier this season, very susceptible on the edges. Von Miller and Chubb are pretty nasty, so you're going to want to monitor the Browns and make sure that offensive line is healthy. Next up, Oh boy, this is the game I've I've circled already. Cowboys at the Colts. Okay, we just if you missed the last segment, you got to listen. I just broke down the five teams that the Cowboys have beaten during this winning streak. And Lynch, when you're looking at value, uh this on the look ahead was Colts Pickham. It's now Colts favored by 3. That's off a Dallas win. In overtime, the public we know is going to pound the Cowboys, right? Five straight wins, you know, some luck box covers. Everything I'm looking at here says Indianapolis Colts. And I'll believe you. Again, listen, I I was on the Cowboys this past week. I do think the Cowboys are capable of being a very good team. They just don't do it with any consistency. I don't have a good read on the Colts. I've said that a couple of times this season. So I will lay out here and take your word for it. I know that you really love Andrew Luck. You've really studied this team. And yeah, I think listen, the Colts are favored at minus three right now. I believe you're getting even money on that. If the Cowboys are as public as we think they are, and I I believe that's a very good read, this likely comes down to two and a half over the next day or two. So you're probably going to get even a little bit of value inside that key number. Oh, I'd love it at two and a half. Lynch, let me uh, point out two other quick things I have in my notes. Um, Frank Reich, former Eagles offensive coordinator, now the Colts head coach. He knows Dallas well. And uh, you know what the Eagles like to do against the Cowboys? They like to go to tight ends. Zach Ertz had a monster first game. He was okay yesterday, 5 for 38, but it was the rookie, Dallas Goddard. Four for forty-four and a touchdown. Also, he had that big I was TD say, should, called back. Yep, shouldn't so, have. As our own Dean Blandino said, should not have been offensive pass interference. Awful, awful referee decision there. But the big picture thing is Dallas. No Sean Lee this past week struggles to defend tight ends. Who loves to throw to tight ends? The Colts with Ebron. Okay. I, 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 everything for me here screams Colts. Obviously, you're going to want to check the injury report. Ezekiel Elliott, got, he did come back to the game after looking like he had a concussion. Um, he's been running like a machine. Well, the Colts just held Lamar Miller, who had been running well, to, uh, I believe, like 36 yards on the ground, 33 yards or something to that effect. This is a good Colts team, folks. Texans only had 4.6 yards per play. Yeah, I know it's early, but I'm all over the Colts here. Next up, this one scares me, Lynch. Green Bay at Chicago. Bears favor by six and a half. Big number off a huge win. Island game win against the uh, Rams. The greatest show on surf. Totally shut down. Gotta feel like the public is gonna be all over the Bears here. Aaron Rodgers getting six and a half. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't watch the Packers closely enough yesterday. 
Did you see anything from that Falcons game that you can take away to think that they're going to be able to go into Chicago and hang? Yeah, I saw an abysmal Falcons defense. But other than that, I saw what I thought was a reinvigorated Aaron Rodgers. Definitely looked like a guy who had, you know who knew that Mike McCarthy was in the rear view mirror and he could move forward. Um, it's funny that you say the public is going to be all over Chicago. Since we started recording this podcast, it looks like it's coming down to five and a half what? at the Westgate. And that, that kind of tracks with where I was leaning. Again, I think people are going to see that Aaron Rodgers came out, had a big game against the Falcons, that the Packers won pretty handily. And I think that Green Bay is probably a little bit public here. There's no concern about Aaron Rodgers going and playing in cold weather. He knows cold weather better than anyone. Um, so I leaned toward the Packers getting plus six and a half. As this line comes down, though, it, it comes back to the question we discussed earlier. Was week 14 a blip where defenses just kind of had a good week? Or is this going to be a trend in the month of December where defense hmm. wins games, defense sets you up for championships? I Again, I liked Rodgers and the Packers getting just shy of a touchdown. Now that they're five and a half point dogs instead of six and a half point dogs, I'm going to have to take a long, hard look with it. Look at this. I agree. I think this is a scary game. Interesting. So I, again, I'm just looking at the box score. Looks like the Falcons took the ball uh, off the kickoff and scored instantly, and then the Packers took over. Looks like some garbage time points from the Falcons. But something that jumps out here. Aaron Rodgers was sacked four times by the Falcons? They have no pass rush. Yeah, and it seemed to me like one of those situations where he was holding on to the ball a little bit longer mm. than he should have and trying to take some shots downfield, uh, which could be a recipe for disaster against the Bears. So, yeah, I this, this is going to come down to how much value do you end up getting with Green Bay and with Chicago? How much does this line move? Is it going to steam down to minus four and a half and there's going to be a little bit of reverse line movement play there? Uh, this is one that you're going to want to track the line movement on all week long. And the big thing uh, on the Rodgers taking the sacks, I know leading in, the Packers had three guys on the offensive line who were dinged up. I'm going to have to check and see if they played. Oh, no, here it is. Packers rule out three starters along the offensive line. So maybe that's why the Falcons had some success. I guess we'll have to monitor their status next week or throughout the week before making a play. And finally, next Monday, really good game. Saints at the Panthers. Now this, holy cow, the Panthers at home who have been good this year are getting six and a half. Is that accurate? Holy Toledo. Um, Lynch. I, at first blush, you know, the Saints have not played a good eight quarters in a row. Uh, they did rally to beat a bad Bucks team, but is this the game the Panthers show up? Uh, six, six and a half is a big number at home for Cam Newton in a basically a put up or shut up for their season. Your thoughts? Early lean is the Saints here. Um, I've kind of, the bloom is off the rose for me with the Panthers. That said, it would be a great time for a little zigzag theory to kick in and for them to cover or even win outright at home. Um, but my initial lean here is, is the Saints. And I know, you know, they covered against the Bucks yesterday, but yes. if you watch that game oh. <laughs> again, to use one of your favorite words, kind of luck box their way yes. into that one. It's the the play-by-play -play performance from New Orleans hasn't been great, but it certainly hasn't been great from Carolina either. That's a great point. I think we were texting about this game, and I knew early, boy, did I F this one up. Saints down 14-3 at the half. Uh, they had, I think, 101 yards or something in the first half. Like, that's a joke. Then they opened the second half by fumbling on the second play. And at that moment, I turned away from Saints. I can't watch this anymore. 
And, you know, listen, sometimes the gambling gods are shining on you, okay? Tampa misses a chip shot field goal. That, By the way, they missed two field goals yesterday. And then, of course, Taysom Hill, the sneaky MVP of the Saints, comes through with a block punt. That's when Jason, in front of his computer, two TVs, all right, let's go! Come on! Just stop kicking. Go for it on fourth down. I don't care who you are. I don't care where the ball – well, I care a little bit where the ball is. (laughs) But go for it on fourth down. You get four downs. I'm going to rant here for a second. I always like – like, this is – I forget who – said this and it's one of my favorite things in the world so i apologize to whoever originally came up with this you're a genius if you were to have an alien come to earth who really wanted to know about football and you were going to explain the game of football to them and you were going to say you get four downs to try to get 10 yards at which point you get to reset and you get four fresh downs but really you only get three and then you give it to the other team on the fourth down every single time the alien would go why why are you doing that be more aggressive. Go for it on fourth down. Be like Jason Garrett. Okay, maybe don't be like Jason Garrett, but you know, be willing to change your game plan like Jason Garrett did. Yeah, well said. Um, and and listen, the Bucks. Jameis Winston. Water finds its level. Whatever you want to say. Second half, he couldn't get out of his own way. But the, the Saints' pass rush. Cam Jordan was abusive. Uh, if you watch that second half closely, and I did, as the Saints had to come back, Cam Jordan single-handedly killed. That Bucks line, uh, and, and again, sometimes luck is involved. Jameis Winston driving for the backdoor cover, interception in the end zone. And listen, I've had three of those almost in a row. Matt Stafford, back-to-back weeks, couldn't get it done. And now Jameis Winston. One note on the Saints, Lynch, and this is so nerdy and inside football. I don't know if the gambling listeners care or will be impressed that we're watching stuff like this. But teams are straight up picking on Eli Apple. The Dallas Cowboys went at him, and the Bucks targeted the heck out of him yesterday. I don't have the numbers, but every time I looked up, Eli Apple was getting flagged or was getting picked on. Uh, the problem for the Panthers next week, they don't have a receiver to pick on Eli Apple. Like, what are you, Devin Funches? Uh, I don't even know who else they're throwing to. Maybe the, the young kid Samuel or DJ Moore. Who's Split very good. CMC out wide. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so Saints have some issues, but I, I love... Week 15, we're very excited. The games are getting good. Um, And, of course, there is one more. We're going to quickly talk about Patriots, Steelers. This is always a great game. But, Lynch, I'm going to have to ask you, is there a line here? Two injuries to quarterbacks. Now, Tom Brady did not leave the game. But I think it was the end of the half. Something weird happened. Maybe he planted wrong. He had to be helped off the field or the, the trainers were walking with him. Now, he finished the game. But... I don't think there's a line because of the Ben Roethlisberger situation. He, of course, had the rib injury, left the game for a quarter, it seemed. Josh Dobbs did nothing. Uh, he, he he did not look like the future backup quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Roethlisberger returned, but are you seeing a line yet? No line the- yet. And, of course, James Con- James Conner is still banged up as well. He's doubtful uh, as of this morning. Might be back for Week 15. would be great for the Steelers, obviously. No line yet. And given that, real quick, J-Mac, putting you on the spot here. You're the handicapper. Where would you, if assuming Big Ben plays and is more or less fine, where would you put this line? Pittsburgh at home. Is Connor playing? We will, he's doubtful today. We will say not playing. I'll say, I would say Patriots favor by two and a half. I don't think I'm giving the Steelers three at home. I'm just going to say, and we've said this a lot. And it's tough. You say it, and then you're like, all right, they're not going to lose. The Patriots are not a good team on the road right now. 
Okay? They lose to the Dolphins. I know it was a fluke ending. They got shelled by the Titans. They got ripped by a bad Jags team. The Lions smoked them at home earlier this year. And again, they struggled to cover against the Jets and Bills. It's not just a thing at this point, folks. This is multiple games that the Patriots' defense don't travel. Fortunately, uh, the Steelers are a mess. But I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Early lean, lean to the Steelers uh, on the road getting points. As if it couldn't get any better following Sunday's incredible slate, we've got Monday Night Football. The Seattle Seahawks, hot as anybody right now. They, I mean, they look so good. They are hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And my guy, Kirk Cousins, I will ride with Kirk Cousins again. You know I'm a big fan. Seattle, depending on where you look, is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Lynch loves it. Hate the hook. Maybe there's another T-shirt. Hate the hook. Uh, and that's why I'm leaning to the Minnesota Vikings here. Now, I know Seattle's been hot. But let's quickly go over the three teams they've beaten the last three weeks. The San Francisco 49ers, who are a bottom feeder, according to DVOA. The Carolina Panthers, another team not loved by DVOA. And the Green Bay Packers, who are, you know, a a middling team that can't get out of its own way. Perfect word for the Packers. Middling, you like that. Now the Vikings, I I don't know what they are. Defensively, they've shown up. Kirk Cousins has shrunk uh, in some big spots, especially on the road against the Patriots last week. I still lean the Minnesota Vikings here, getting three and a half. Um, I hate betting against Russell Wilson because, man, he is fun. But I do believe the Seahawks are a little overvalued. Sorry, producer Conrad. And when they had to step up in class, they lost to the Rams. I think they lost to the Rams twice. And they lost to the Chargers. So are the Vikings in that upper class or are they kind of a middling team? I think they're closer to being a middling team than being in that upper class. But I do like the way that this defense has rounded into form, particularly against the Seattle offensive line, which has looked better this year than in years past. But they're still 29th by adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders, meaning they're a bottom four offensive line in protecting the quarterback, whereas the Vikings defensively are a top for defensive line and getting after the quarterback. We know Russell Wilson is an outstanding quarterback under pressure. So in that sense, maybe he's able to make some magic outside of the pocket. This, from a value standpoint, this would be a stay away game for me. I This is going to be a really great game between two potential NFC championship contenders. You know, they're probably not going to make it to the Super Bowl, but I can see either of these teams making the NFC championship game. Um, and the real kicker for me is that Doug Baldwin is a game time decision. Ooh. Yeah, that's I I kind of expect him to play based on some of the reports that we're seeing, but that is speculation on my part. If he's not going, that's one less weapon for Russell Wilson again, who was probably going to be under pressure for most of this night tonight. Uh, Producer Conrad is saying rain ninety percent tonight. Um, that ain't good for the passing game, and it could be. Um, not good for the total either. The total I'm seeing is 45 and a half. Lynch, how about this? I will go one unit on the Vikings parlayed with a first half under. Is that allowed? Is that permitted? Absolutely. Uh, For some reason, I just feel like the noise, the potential rain, I think there's going to be a slow adjustment. I think there's a feeling out process here. And the Seahawks historically have been a great comeback team. So give me... I don't even know what the number is uh, in the first half. Maybe one of you can call that up. I will parlay the Vikings plus three and a half 
and the first half under. Every wager is allowed on this podcast <laughs> except for teasers, buying a half point, and gambling on the Jaguars. Oh, geez. All right, Lynch. So he, uh, Conrad's saying it's 23. So give me the 23 under first half parlayed with the – you're just doing nothing on this, huh? I'll get a, I'll get my beak wet on this for sure. Maybe but an in, is there an in-game wager? It might be an in-game wager. I'll probably get a quarter unit perhaps on the Vikings here. It might be a parlay game for me as well. Listen, you always got to have a little bit of action, but in yes. terms of pure value and expected value rules everything around me, I think this is a stay-away game. All right. So, folks, there you have it. I'm in. Lynch is uh, maybe an action action wager kind of guy on this one folks it's been a great podcast thank you as always andrew lynch hey remember subscribe rate and review especially the two of you who lost put up or shut up for andrew lynch i'm jason mcintyre we'll talk to you thursday 